When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the porch, a VolQuest baseball podcast with VFL Luke Lipsius every single Thursday right here on VolQuest.com and on the VolQuest YouTube channel. Appreciate that subscription, a share of this video, a like, all that stuff really helps us get this out there. Uh, to more Tennessee baseball fans. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. It's been really fun, the first couple of ones we've done here with Luke. And uh, as you guys know by now, the pattern is I'll I'll kind of talk here for about 15 to 20 and kind of give you the big stories, what I think are the big stories, some of my big thoughts for Tennessee baseball, where they're at in the season right now, and, of course, where they have come from. And then we'll get into Luke Lipsius for the last 15 to 20 minutes of the podcast and get his thoughts as well. Uh, really, really looking forward to that. And um, could not do this. Could not uh, make this possible, the Porch Boss, without our proud sponsors of the Porch, and that is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution, TN Trial Lawyers. They they do excellent, excellent work in criminal defense, family, law, and personal injury with over 80 years of combined experience. If you have a need... Check them out, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Give them a call today for a free consultation, 423-245-4185, or visit them online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. All right, we got a fun show coming up here today. I am going to uh, kind of break down what I think are the biggest stories uh, from Tennessee over the past week, and uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to kind of disagree with me, right, in terms of it was the Blake Burke week. I mean, Blake Burke was absolutely phenomenal as Tennessee Went undefeated last week with a pair of midweeks over Charleston Southern and then a sweep of Gonzaga. And the thing about Gonzaga is you look at that record, and when Tennessee was done with them, they were 1-10, I believe. Not great, right? But it's an experienced lineup that that returned nearly everybody. Got a couple of different All-American preseason accolades, including Owen Wilde, who was the Friday night starter. And Gonzaga had some starting pitching, but they had no pitching behind it. And that's going to be their downfall this year. If you watched on Friday night, they rode Owen Wilde as long as they possibly could, and he got tagged for five runs because they didn't go and get him quick enough because they have no arms in the bullpen, and that was the same case on Saturday as well, and then it was really the case for Tennessee uh, as well on Sunday as Tennessee was able to kind of edge that one out there, had a four-run lead late in the ball game as Gonzaga was kind of mounting a comeback but settled for the 17-9 to victory when it was all said and done, but Tennessee... Had the sweep, 11-2 on the season. Did a nice job of the 5-0 week at back-to-back 5-0 weeks, extending that home winning streak, or extending that winning streak, rather, to 11 games. But then came Tuesday, and Tennessee had a, a shortcoming against Boston College. And I'll get into that here in just a moment. But, I mean, Blake Burke was phenomenal. I wrote about it in the 3-2-1. 
Um, he led the SEC in hits and RBI over the last week. Um, he's leading Tennessee, of course, in average at 420, hits 21, home runs with 7, RBI with 21, total bases with 46, and a slugging percentage of 920. He was 11 for 21 at the plate in five games a week ago, had three home runs. He drove in 14 runners, which is incredible. He tallied five extra base hits, scored four runs, walked twice, uh, against Charleston Southern on Tuesday of last week, he drove in a career-high five runs. And I kind of mentioned I, I was disappointed with myself because the story that night was the return of Tony Vitello and the debut of Maui Ahuna. Uh, but we just kind of over, over-glanced, if you will. We just kind of didn't even acknowledge the fact that Blake Burke drove in a career-high five RBIs. And uh, he was just – he was marvelous. He did go 0-4 on Sunday. He snapped an eight-game hitting streak. Um, but he has only failed to – um, record a hit in three games this season. He was, um, he's he's been really really good. He even had a hit on on Tuesday night against Boston College as well. So he's been Tennessee's best hitter. He's one of the best hitters in the Southeastern Conference. And um, I think last week the the highlight for Tennessee baseball was of course uh, Blake Burke. And and then again it was kind of Kyle Booker, right? I mean, big question as we head into the final home series before Southeastern Conference play. Tennessee has four games left, three against. Morehead State, and, and then a midweek before you get into conference play. And you want some of these questions answered, like, you know, who is going to iron out that last outfitter spot? Is Blake Burke, or excuse me, is Jared Dickey better being the DH and batting fifth in this lineup? Uh, unless you find someone that can solidify that third outfield spot, you really don't have a clue. You really don't, you really don't know at this point in time, right? And it looked, for the majority of the case on the weekend, that Kyle Booker was, was kind of right there saying, all right, I'm here, I'm hitting, and I, I'm ready to roll, right? Maybe, and again, I even wrote this in 3-2-1, like I wasn't ready to say he had arrived because it was su such a short sample size, but he looked really good over the weekend. And, and then came Tuesday against Boston College where he had an 0-for-5 day with four strikeouts, and he looked very much like the Kyle Booker we've seen at the at the beginning of the season. It's unfortunate too because kind of you're back to the drawing board, right? Booker entered the week last week hitting a buck seventy six and was in the midst of an zero for nine stretch with three strikeouts dating back to his last base hits. Um, he finished the week. Let's see here. Um, he singled in the seventh inning of Tuesday's win over Charleston Southern at a pinch hit opportunity. He doubled and scored a run against Gazag on Friday. He had two hits with a solo home run on Saturday, and then he had three hits on Sunday. Um, he really came alive there against the Zags over the weekend, and that kind of gave Tennessee some some reassurance because he's got a really good glove. He can play center field or play any of the outfield spots, but in this scenario, he can be out there. His glove is in the outfield. It's a defensive upgrade, and you got a bat that's capable of swinging it at the in the bottom third of the lineup. But again, like I said, came Tuesday when, when Booker was 0 for 5 with four strikeouts. So it's kind of like, well, where do you go from here? Dylan Dryling needs to be getting at bats. Um, and I mean this with no disrespect whatsoever, but you know, Christian Scott continues to get some pinch hit opportunities. And Christian Scott got got the start against uh, Boston College on Tuesday. And, and I remain in the fact that Christian Scott's not going to be a regular starter for this team. So why are we not giving those opportunities to a Dylan Dryling who came on and, um, and he got a start last weekend and uh, he was one for one on Tuesday, looked really good coming on in pinch hit opportunities. 
he's a young guy. Sure, he's raw, but the, the talent is there. He hits from the left side. The speed is pretty good. He can play center or left field. I'm just not understanding why he's not getting more playing time right now. Tony Vitello said after Sunday's game against Gonzaga, remember that was the first lineup where we saw Maui Ahuna at the top. We saw Jared Dickey DHing and batting fifth. Dylan Dryling in the outfield. He said, This is a chance that this lineup we did today might be our best lineup we have. And I agree with him. I, I truly do agree with him. It's Kyle Booker's in there. He's playing outfield and he's hitting. Dylan, Dry, Dylan Dryling is in the lineup. He's contributing and playing the outfield. Jared Dickey is batting fifth in the heart of the order and being your DH, which I still think Jared Dickey can play outfield. I think he's improved tremendously. He just needs to finish some plays. I know a lot of you guys were upset with him on Friday night because he allowed a runner a runner to come in, you know, trying to chase down a, a line drive in the gap, and it hit his glove and it went off, and you know, some some runs scored. And I get that you want to finish that play, but for him to be even in the vicinity to make that play just shows how much improvement that he's made. And you can't you can't charge an error to that play because that was not a routine play. You can't assume the out there. You can't. Um, and that's the difference in kind of the scoring decision. But still, a defensive upgrade with Booker and Dryling in the outfield, allowing D uh, Jared Dickey to go with DH and hit fifth. Man, I mean, what a lineup. It, it, it just, I mean, Dickey is a hitting machine, right? So you want him to be hitting with guys on base. And that turned out well on Sunday as well when he had that grand slam. So back to Booker was having some really good thoughts about him coming out of the weekend, and, and then you saw Tuesday that effort. That's just not good. So, you know, where do you go from here? Um, I'm intrigued to kind of see, you know, what's what's going to happen there. Um, so those were kind of my two big hitters for the week, Kyle Booker and, of course, Blake Burke, um, how they kind of, you know, turned those around. Uh, Candon Sewell, I have asked about him this week. I think there's a good chance you could see him pitch at some point this weekend. He will be ready to go from what I've been told for SEC play, but I do think there's a good chance you can see Candon Sewell take the mound for the first time in 2023 this weekend at some point against Moorhead State. That'll be a good thing, too, because kind of get his legs under him, get an outing out of the way before conference play starts. And I really do think that was kind of the plan all the way around. You know, when I talked to Tony in Arizona, I asked him about Candon Sewell, and he said he's fine. He's just a little sore. Um, if he could absolutely go, he probably could, but. Um, I'm going to throw the crap out of him in SEC play. So I'd rather have him ready for SEC play than have him ready for the opening weekend. And, and that's kind of been the stance the entire time. So I would expect to see some Candon Sewell at least one time this weekend, potentially. If not, I do think that he will be ready to go for Missouri next weekend. All right, one more thing before we get to the Boston College game. Maui Ahuna. All right, uh, Maui Ahuna. A lot of you guys are frustrated with Maui, um, and and you know I, I'm talking about my conversation with you guys on the board, you're in the game threads, and and some on the journal's quarters and everything. And I understand there's a lot of new fans of the sport of baseball, or at least to college baseball. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Four years ago, I wasn't paying attention to Tennessee baseball. I just wasn't. I'd go in and I'd call a couple of games for John and Vince, but um, that was just you know four or five games a season. Um, you know, two years ago when they made the run to Omaha, I was very much invested and I was helping out a little bit along the way. And of course, last year I, I tag team with Ben a little bit and was very much involved. But I mean, this year is my first year on the beat, you know, going to every single game and covering it. So, uh, when I say all these things, like I'm talking to myself too, right? But in terms of baseball, baseball is different than football. Baseball is different than basketball. One loss is not the end of the world. Um, if you go through an 0 for 10 stretch with four strikeouts, it's not the end of the world. You can climb out of it. Sometimes you don't, but 
Um, that is, you know, you, you can climb out of it. Maui Ahuna is a Major League Baseball draft prospect. He will be drafted this summer. He has a Major League Baseball glove. Um, he is one of the better defenders in the Southeastern Conference. He had 400 in Big 12 play last year. He led Kansas in every offensive statistical category. Maui Ahuna is going to be just fine. And it was like he was getting so much criticism because he just continued to go one for four, one for four. His first three games, he was one for four. And I understand that's not two for four or three for four, but it's not like he wasn't doing anything. He was going one for four. He had no for four day against Gonzaga on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he was one for four, but he drove in four runs, right? So he has six RBIs. He has five hits, all of them in one for four efforts at the plate, um, one for three on, on Tuesday night when he drove in a run. Scored a run as well. He's not had a multi-hit day yet in a Tennessee uniform, but I promise you, and I can't stress this enough, Maui Ahuna will be just fine, okay? He is arguably the best player on Tennessee's roster, and yes, that's taking into account Chase Dolander, Chase Burns, Blake Burke, Christian Moore. He's arguably the best baseball player on this roster. Maui Ahuna will be a-okay. And again, this was literally his first week, uh, first full week of action. He was declared eligible on, on Monday of last week, played two games against Charleston Southern, played the weekend series against Gonzaga, and then just played a Tuesday matchup against Boston College, okay? Baseball is a long season. There are, what is it, guys? Is it 55 guaranteed games? Guaranteed games? Like, just because you go through, and again, Maui, again, he was still hitting. He was one for four of these games I'm talking about. But just because you go through a stretch where you don't look great at the plate or comfortable at the plate, you're swinging at bad pitches or you're striking out, it is a long season. And that's just the beautiful thing about baseball, right? So I would not spend much time worrying about Maui. That's just my opinion. That's my two cents. I've said it on the board a couple of times, um, but that's just kind of how I feel. And I think Tennessee's lineup is best when he's at the top playing shortstop, allowing Jared Dickey to slide back and hitting that five hole and, and really driving some runs. One more note on that. Vitello loves lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. It won't always be that way, and it can't be that way because Tennessee's so left-handed heavy. Vitello loves lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, and he will try to do that as much as he can, just you know, keeping that in perspective. All right, last thing I'm going to talk about here before we get into Blake Burke, the Boston College game. Again, baseball is a long season, all right? Um, you don't play Power 5 opponents for the midweek. You just typically don't. In fact, this was the first home game against a Power 5 opponent since the 2009 season. This was the first midweek Power 5 opponent Tennessee has played since the Hokey Smokey Classic, yeah, back in 2013 against Virginia Tech, okay? Um, this was a great chance, a great opportunity, a good test for Tennessee in the midst of a non-conference slate where you're just running through everybody, right? Um, I said that uh, going into the week. I've said that, you know, leaving Arizona, that Tennessee's going to return home and win a lot of games because they're not going to be challenged an awful lot. Boston College, I'll still remain in the fact that I don't think that they're going to be very good in SEC, ACC play this year. But still, they, they return a veteran lineup. They threw their Friday nights, or excuse me, they threw a guy who started the game on Tuesday who has already started two Friday night games this season. I don't know if he'll remain being a Friday night starter, but he started two Friday night games already this season. They threw out all the stops to beat Tennessee because it was a great opportunity for them to gain some RPI points and good on them. Tennessee, meanwhile, threw a bullpen game, treated it like a midweek game, as it should. 
Um, so I'm intrigued to see how that game would have went if Tennessee threw one of the three, you know, Beam, Burns, Doe, you know, one of those guys. I don't know. Who's to know? But credit Boston College, they took advantage of it. They had the long ball working all night long. But Tennessee lost that game because of self-inflicted wounds. And we've talked about it plenty of times. I've seen thread after thread after thread on the board. Uh, base running blunders. Uh, that is nothing new under Tony Vitello, unfortunately. This is something that was, you know, happened last year. This is something that's happened earlier in Tony Vitello's career here at Tennessee. Tennessee is very aggressive on the base pass, but there's got to be a line there between aggressiveness and foolishness, okay? And it's not like they don't prepare and practice this and scrimmage. That's why they scrimmage so much in preseason, right? You know how I said that like a practice is a scrimmage? I mean, that's typically what they do all throughout preseason, in fall camp or in, in the fall. They practice first to third with no outs. They practice man on second, one out. They practice runner at third, two outs. They practice all those – or they wouldn't practice runner at third on two outs because on two outs you're running with contact. They practice runner at third and one out. They practice all these types of things. They talk about it throughout the week. They go back and watch film and they reiterate, you know, what went right, what went wrong, all that type of stuff. So it's not like these guys are not coaching them. Um, I don't know the answer. I don't. It's not a major problem right now, but in games like on Tuesday night – when the margin for error is so thin, that will get you beat. And it did. Griffin Merritt, not, and, and again, I need to go back and watch the tape to be completely honest with you, but maybe not attempting to go uh, home from seconds on that hit right there. It, but for real, it was the, you know, the, the, the bunt from Cal Star down the first base to the first base side of the pitcher's mound. And Griffin Merritt was in quicksand. He, 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 he just froze. He didn't go. That was unfortunate. And then, of course, there's the Ethan Payne situation where, <laughs> Yeah, Christian Moore, who homered to tie the game in the bottom of the ninth inning. Blake Burke triples, which, by the way, is looking over his right shoulder to the right field wall, not looking to Elander at third, runs through a stop sign, is called out at third. They go to review and say he's safe. He should not have attempted that, that three-bagger right there. Staying at two with no outs, man, you're in a great situation right there. Like, what are you doing? That was foolish. It worked out for Tennessee's favor, but that was foolish. He gets lifted for a pinch runner. You've got a ground out. And then you've got Jared Dickey coming out and hitting a line drive to one of the two outfielders in the outfield at that point in time. Ethan Payne, is, as Tony put it after the game, he just never got his feet under him. I saw that. He's kind of you know going home, then breaking back to the bag, then trying to tag up, and he, he had no shot. Poor, poor base running. It's unfortunate. This team, you cannot equate to the 2022 team. This team, you cannot equate to the 2021 team. The power is not as much as those teams. Those teams were special, especially last season. Those teams were special. This team has power, and this team's going to be good, and this team's going to win a lot of games. But they're going to win a lot of games to where it's 6-4, 5-3, 4-1, relying on those arms. You won't have that power just to bail you out all the time. Um, so when the margin for error is thin, you cannot run yourself out of outs in the base pass. You cannot take advantage of those outs or give a run away like Christian Moore trying to call off everybody in shallow right center field on Tuesday night. Griffin Merritt stops in his tracks in right field, and, and Christian Scott just gives way. That's your ball, center fielder. Go get it. Little things like that will get you beat. I know it's frustrating. It's not the end of the world. You'd rather that happen now than next weekend in uh, SEC play. What does Luke Lipsius think about all of this? Well, we're going to ask him coming up next right here on the porch. But as you guys know, could not make this possible without our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. 
The, if you got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injuries. Examples can be DUI, homicide, assault, sexual offenses in state and federal courts, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, or personal injury like car wrecks, accidents, and injuries. They have over 80 years of combined experience. Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place for over 43 years with this partnership since 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee and in the Tri-Cities and Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has multiple awards and attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, we are here to help. That is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Find them in person at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. Again, a free consultation at 423-245-4185. If you have a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, that is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. And you can always find them online at Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. We're talking baseball right now. We got Luke Lipschitz coming up in here in just a minute, but guys, it is March, right? And so if you want to make some money, head on over to MyBookie. Get started is easy. Visit MyBookie online and use the promo code VOLQUEST to receive a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Grab your extra funds now and for a limited time, you can claim a free entry into the $150,000 MyBookie Madness Brackets contest for a chance to win some big money. If you're the type of guy who likes to fill out multiple brackets to get an advantage, you can do that too. The price of entry is less than an Uber, all for a shot at life-changing amounts of money. With so many brands to choose from, you need a platform to make it simple to bet and to win, like at MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Luke, I want to start off this week by asking you the same question, how we started off last week. Uh, Blake Burke, guy manning the first base bag the year after you left, um, is now... Just just unconscious. He was 11 for 21. He had a, a five RBI game last week. He had nine, I think he had nine RBIs in, in a two-game span, whatever the case, three home runs, all that type of stuff. He is just incredible right now. When you watch him and his at-bats, kind of what are you seeing? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely unreal. I don't think anyone expects this to happen, you know. 
Um, I think he's, he leads the nation or is close to it in RBIs. And of course, he's top five in home runs. So offensively, it's just crazy what he's doing. And, you know, he steps up to the plate and you expect something to happen. And if I, as a fan, expect something to happen, the pitcher has to feel that too. And so I think with his stature, just his big lefty swing, stepping in the box, it probably intimidates the other pitcher. I know if I was throwing to him, I would be a little bit scared, um, especially what he does. And then it's like he almost takes a, a daddy hack every time, but it's a controlled one, which is just nuts. Um, so what he's doing is absolutely unreal. I hope he keeps it up, and I really think he will keep it up, especially as we near closer to SEC play. Yeah, it's pretty fun to watch. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, and hopefully, you know, he, he kind of cooled off. He had a no for day on Sunday, and uh, that snapped an eight-game hitting streak. He only had one hit, and I think he, he drove in a run the other day on Tuesday. I think he did. Yeah, he drove in a run as well. So he's cooling off a little bit, but uh, nah, he's he's one of the best hitters in the country right now, and it's been fun to watch. While it's fresh on the mind, do want to talk about uh, Tuesday's game against Boston College. Uh, first Power 5 midweek opponent since 2013. First one at home since 2009. I mean, these are not typical of midweeks. And I'm not trying to present Boston College out here to be an Omaha team because I don't think it will be. But it was a really good opponent, a veteran club, a guy, a team that threw a weekend starter for a couple innings to get things off. They were pulling out all the stops to try to get that RPI points, as they should, in beating Tennessee, and they did. Tennessee, meanwhile, treated it like a midweek game, a bullpen throwing you know four or five different pitchers and all that. But obviously still trying to win, um, but you lost. Not the end of the world, but kind of how difficult is it to pick yourself up after losing the way you did on Tuesday night? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> you go into every game expecting to win as you should. Um, there's a little bit more to it when you see that it's a Power 5 team. Boston College is a pretty good program, um, and then they're coming out with their – better guys as opposed to let's just say the the middle to the end of the pack that some teams do on midweeks uh, they're a very good team uh, I thought we brought out some of our dogs out the pen too you know Zach Joyce Lindsay um, Halverson so to see us lose the way we did is uncharacteristic um, and so you know it's one of those things that should we uh, be scared do we need to do something about this or hey it's just a midweek you know um a loss is a loss and i i don't think it's too much to worry about but i do think it's a wake-up call for the guys on the team uh, what i noticed that especially this past week uh it, it looks like they're kind of starting to big league stuff you know it's it's almost this i got it attitude they're not running through home plate um, it's a little bit too rah-rah for my legging and i was part of one of the the most rah-rah teams that tennessee's ever seen <laughs> Um, and so it's just one of those things, you know, got to get back to to grinding it out. <clears throat> and I think Tony V would would completely agree with me in saying that they need to get back to grinding it out. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's it was very odd. Maybe they had a little extra juice. Boston College, that is because scoring um, seven against the people that we brought out there. Um, Definitely unexpected. We brought out our dogs. And again, I think this will be a very good uh, experience and a really good kind of warm up to see how we'll compare against those SEC teams. So it's good to get it out of the way because still um, these losses are less hurtful than once we get into the SEC season. So overall, I thought we played well. Pitching was good for the most part. They just got a, a hold a couple. Um, defense was good. And then I would like to see our bats come around uh, a little bit more. 
Now, we haven't seen anybody army crawl and touch home plate with the tip of their finger just yet. So I wouldn't say that the raw raw is out of control, right? Yeah, no, exactly. They're not a, they're not disgracing people. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. Um, they're trying to figure th themselves out and all that. And I, I do want, when the margin of error is thin, right? Like when you get an SEC play, you know, good ball teams. When you make some mistakes like Tennessee did the other night on the base pass, that can get you beat. It got you beat at Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's a team that can beat you if you do that. Well, you know, case in point there. And then uh, Tuesday night at the same thing. There was a run where you know, Christian Moore was calling everybody off, trying to go make that catch in shallow right center field when that was not his ball whatsoever. Christian Scott has got to take ownership and say, get out of my way, that's my ball. That cost Tennessee a run. Uh, Griffin Merritt, you know, standing quicksand there, being froze at third base on a bunt that was toward the first base side of the bag and with one out, he needed to go home. He did not do that. And then, of course, we have the Ethan Payne situation there when trying to get caught in between home and third and going back to tagging and then getting hosed. And he was only in that situation because Blake Burke ran through a stop sign trying to go to third base. What are some basic principles, maybe? Let, let's go let, Let's go. Griffin Merritt at third, one out. What are some basic principles as a base runner that you're taught when to go and when to hold? Because that's a play there where Merritt probably, and he would tell you this, Merritt probably should have scored. Yeah, so um, those are always tricky. Whenever you're on third and you're trying to read a, a safety squeeze like he was doing, you're trying to read the ball down and away from the pitcher. And so while the ball did go down and away from the pitcher, and yes, he probably should have scored, the way I believe it was Cal Stark bunting, yes. the way that he went to bunt for it, he like put it out, pulled back, and then put it back out. So, um, you know, you, they teach us to always be ready and – um, he definitely should have scored. However, it was kind of one of those funky, maybe in between the pitcher and the, the first base line to where he couldn't really see it that well. Um, but yeah, it's, they preach so much about base running and how it will win or lose games. Um, and so I'm, I'm just going to keep on talking, you know, that, that Berg thing, he's lucky that he was safe at third, but no outs. You're going to be on second easily. Why are you sending it? Why are you yeah. sending it? Then, and that's this like, trying to be a hero thing um, again with the SEMO, you know, he's trying to be a hero, make a catch. That's probably not his. Um, and so that's, that's a couple things that'll get hopefully squashed by the coaching staff. Uh, they've always been really good at squashing that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, like you see, and then pain tagging um, or trying to make a home on that. It's, it's careless mistakes. Um, again, not as hurtful now, Hopefully we'll learn from it, but I mean, only time will tell if we actually do learn from it. All right. So you are at third base, you're Ethan Payne the other night and there's one out. They have five infielders in, they've got two outfielders. Jared Dickey hits it right to the guy in left center field, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how are you reading that? Cause Tony Vatello said after the game that, you know, he, he's, he never had his feet under him because he was towards home plate, coming back to tag, and then he never really had a chance. Kind of how are you how are you coached, how are you taught to kind of read that in that situation with one out? So in that situation, one out, we're going to be on contact at third base. That means as soon as uh, the hitter at home swings, we're crossing over towards home and we're seeing what happens. So that crossover is so that um, if a ball's hit on the ground, we can score easy or since the infield's in, we can get into a rundown, then we'll put a runner in scoring position again, you know, make them make a play. Um, so him not having his feet under him is a consequence of a well-executed contact play. And so he went forward, it was a line drive, had to go back and then back forward. I think 
once he realizes that he's stumbling back and then trying to go back home to shut it down, you know, shut it down. I th- He was halfway down the line when the cutoff man got the ball. He had no shot. I don't even think he touched home plate. Um, and so in that instance, that's got to be on him, but then also on E to be like, hey, like shut it down. No, 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 don't go. Um, because again, it, it turned out to be costly, you know, get another guy up there and see if he can drive you in with two outs. Um, but it, it's just those, those little things, you know, those little things. Yeah. It's unfortunate because again, um, gosh, you, you just tied the game with CMO's third hit of the night, all three hits for, for Christian Moore on Tuesday, by the way, were, were run producing hits and you had a guy at third with no outs. And I mean, I know that's baseball sometimes, but man, it, it just, it really stings. Something I asked Tony Vitello after the game the other night, you know, how important is this weekend series against Morehead State? Number one, it's the last series before conference play starts. But number two, just to try to, you know, bounce back, right? I mean, how important is in that regard? He said that the 21 team, the Omaha team, you guys bounce back so well. Um, so what goes into that? Kind of short-term memory, flip the switch, all that type of stuff. But what goes in to picking yourself up? And saying, "Hey, we got another game out there. We got to go, you know, handle business." Yeah, it's a it's a culture thing. Uh, at first, that 2021 team, we did not lose on back to back days until Omaha, um, which I just think is absolutely unreal. Um, that you, after a loss, can shake it off and win. And so that is the I think telltale sign of a really really good team. Now, this team that Tennessee has right now is really really good, but What's going to separate them is the ability to bounce back. Uh, We already saw it earlier in this year, losing two straight to start out the season. Maybe it's not there. Maybe it's something that needs to progress as we go through the season. But like you said, this series coming up will be uh, a great way to kind of assess where we're at. Uh, If we see people coming out with a chip on their shoulder Friday, playing as hard as they can, um, and then continue it through the weekend, good sign. If we see them coming out, you know, more I got this, you know, um, not doing what they should, still making little mistakes. Then the uh, the red, the sirens go off. You start getting scared like, hey, um, is this going to be a year we, where we got all this talent but can't do anything with it? So it's, it's up to the coaching staff. It's up to the players um, to really figure out, hey, do we want to be good or do we want to be great and, and just run with that? So I've been kind of saying uh, about this team, the offense should not be compared to that of you guys last year and you guys in 2021. Um, there's not that type of power in this lineup. There's still pop. There's still guys that can hit for power, but top to bottom, I mean, the bottom third of y'all's order was incredible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Tennessee will be winning a lot of games this year, but they'll be winning it six to two, you know, five to three, relying on the arms and everything. Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment right now? Because I think it's unfair for people to think that this team should be doing what you guys did the last couple of years, because it's, it's kind of, it's, it's new guys. It's a different team, right? Yeah. You hit it on the head. Um, those two previous teams were definitely not the, uh, the usual scenario, right? What we have right now is a more usual scenario. And I think people around Knoxville don't realize that, you know, the, as baseball has become more popular, it's been within the last two or three years. So that means, um, the fans, that's all they know. All they know is hitting homers, winning by 10. Um, and so when we're not doing that, people start to freak out. And I don't think this would happen, but what could be sensed on the team is like, hey, 
were not producing as much as last year's team, as much as two years ago. And then they're putting more pressure on themselves, which is the opposite of what you want to do. Um, again, they are young, so you worry about those kind of things. Um, now, I, I do think, like you said, they'll be fine. It's just, are they going to be able to squeak out those four, three games? You know, are they going to be able to squeak out those two run wins? Because they're not going to blow the scoreboard up. All right, looking at Maui's first full week of action, um, <laughs> you talk about you know the over expectations and, and freakouts and everything. I mean, Maui's first three games in Tennessee, he was one for four. I mean, that's 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 a hit every single game, right? But it was one for four. And sure, he's a free swinger. He'll chase the bad pitches and he'll strike out a ton and everything. But that's just kind of who he is. Um, but he's one for four. He was one for four on Sunday. Drove in four runs. He drove in a run. Uh, the other night as well, a part of a, a one for three day at the plate and a run scored. Um, he made one error in the field. I thought he personally should have been charged with another error. I think that was over the weekend. But anyway, um, he's a good player, big league glove, all that type of stuff. We know all that. How would you assess Maui's first week in a Tennessee uniform? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's up to expectation per se, um, but also dealing with all the stuff he had to coming in, still getting that the the dirt off, you know, getting loose, getting used to it. I think and we'll dealing with, it's hard to cut you off and dealing with some other stuff that, that no one even really knows. I mean, he's dealing with a lot right now. And there, those two weeks that he was out, there was more than just baseball going on. Continue. Exactly. And so just having to balance all that, the weight of expectations, all this pressure, and then just playing the game in general. It's a lot. And so I think as we see um, him settle in, it'll be better. And I think that because he does have that experience, he will end up settling in because he's got a really good swing. He's a, a stellar defender. He's just got to realize that, hey, I just got to go out and play. Need to take all this pressure off myself, um, kind of distance myself from what else is going on. But I don't think it's, it's any room to worry. I think he's going to be a great addition to the lineup and um, a really good addition up the middle. Put your skipper's hat on right now. Do you like Maui leading off, and do you like Jared Dickey hitting fifth? I like Dickey hitting leadoff as well because he, he hits. That's all he does. But I also love him hitting fifth because he hits, and there'll be runners on base. Um, I, I love – Tony Vitello said Sunday that with Maui at the top, Dickey DHing and hitting fifth, Dryling and Booker in the outfield, that has the potential to maybe be Tennessee's best lineup. Kind of how, how do you see that? Yeah, I agree. So you want Dickey to be up top because he gets on. But no. then you have a guy like Maui, who I see him getting on um, not as much, a little bit less, but also maybe not driving the ball as much as Dickey does. And so what we want is what I would rather see is Dickey where he's at because he's almost acting like that that second three hole hitter. You know, you got uh, Maui, Simo, Burke. And then you got Denton, Merritt, Dickey, right? So those first three, Burke's going to drive them in. And then you have Denton, Merritt, and Dickey with the chance to drive in the next three runs, you know? So I'd, I would rather see him um, just with his his hand-eye, with his ability to drive the ball in that six-hole spot because he'll be able to clean up the runs that, let's say, Denton or Merritt don't. But, I mean, Denton's been an RBI machine. I love watching him play. Um, but then, yeah, that uh, I, I think we're seeing more of a solidification, at least with Booker in the outfield, with what he did this past week. Um, Dryling's been looking good, too. Um, yeah, other than Cisco and then Merritt's in the outfield, too. So we'll we'll see if C. Scott gets rotated in or if he's going to stay with that late inning speed kind of guy. I do like C. Scott at the dish 
if he gets on, it's just it's not happening as much as you'd think it would. Yeah, love his speed, love his glove. Normally, again, that was his ball on Tuesday night that was kind of frustrating, but uh, you'll see regardless if he's not in the game. A lot of those tight 4-2, 4-3 games, you know, he'll come in and, and be a defensive replacement in the outfield. You see that in Major League Baseball all the time as well. Um, last thing I want to ask you, and you kind of led into that, the way, you know, Kyle Booker swinging the bat. Um, he had a really good weekend. Came on in one of the midweek games, I think it was Tuesday, had a pinch hit single or pinch hit double or something, and uh, he had a double at the end of Friday night's game, um, had two hits and a homer in Saturday's game, had three hits in Sunday's game. And so small sample size, and I wrote about it, like I'm not ready to say he's arrived, but it's like, okay, I'm here, I'm ready to go, I'm going to make this lineup better, I'm going to make this defensive outfield better. And then there's Tuesday, 0 for 5, 4 strikeouts, and it's like, oh man, kind of like all that progress I just made, it's kind of washed away. What do you see in Kyle Booker, um, and 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 how can you go from one? I know it's baseball, but how can you go from one extreme to the other in such a short amount of time? Yeah, you know, it's uh, when he stepped on campus, you could tell there was something special. He's got the tools, he's fast, he has a pretty good arm, and then he has really good hand eye, so he can hit. Um, as far as him going berserk on the weekend and then struggling on the midweek, that's baseball. You know, I've. Uh, I don't think people realize how hard it is to psych yourself out for a midweek game, um, especially when you've got a weekend coming, when you've got SEC approaching. Um, and the good teams can do it fairly easily. Um, however, when you're facing Boston College, you know, they're not throwing 85 mile an hour flat heaters. They're throwing low to mid 90s, and it's going to be a, a, with a, a good off speed pitch. Um, and so maybe he just thought that he was going to or that they were going to be worse than they were. I don't want to speak for him. But again, it's baseball. Sometimes you have a bad day. Um, now, what will be a good tell a tell sign will be how he bounces back on Friday. You know, does he let it affect him or does he just keep on grinding forward and have another good weekend? Um, so I'd, it's again, it's, it's nothing to be too worried about. But the game of baseball is tough and you see times where you're on the top of the world and then you're at the bottom of a ditch. So um, I, I wouldn't be too, too worried. Great stuff as always, Luke. Appreciate it, man. Um, it, it's, it's nice when I say things, but when a guy that's been there, done that, been in that dugout, been coached by these coaches says it's, uh, it kind of validates a lot of things. Great stuff as always, man. Look forward to having you back here on the porch next week after Tennessee uh, looks to uh, have another successful weekend uh, series against Morehead State, a midweek, and then, hey, man, it's it's SEC ball, and we'll talk a little SEC baseball next week, all right? That's right. I'm excited. Well, I'll see you next week. All right. That is Luke Lipsius, Tennessee, former Tennessee first baseman, slugger in the heart of that order, a home run king as of right now, Luke Lipsius. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on the porch. It's every single Thursday right here at VolQuest.com, and it is brought to you by Spivey King and Spivey. LLP. Three partners, Matthew Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey, over 80 years of combined experience, and they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Problem? Let them find a solution. That's TN Trial Lawyers. Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. That is 423 423- 245-4185. Guys, appreciate it as always. Tennessee, a three-game set against Moorhead State. Quick note real quick, I will not be covering the Friday night game. Matt Ray is going to pinch it for me. Really appreciate him. I got some things going on this weekend or on Friday night. I'll be back on Saturday and Sunday to cover this game. Uh, but Matt will have the thread. He'll have the four takes. He'll have everything on the front page. 
Matt Ray will be covering the game on Friday, and I'll be back on Saturday and Sunday. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening to The Porch right here on TheBallGuard.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.